we don't uh, we don't always do this, but uh, occasionally we have the opportunity for a special presentation here in our church. And so uh, somebody gave me this. It was uh, <clears throat> put together by Coca-Cola. Anybody know where Coca-Cola is based? Coca-Cola. Yeah. Anybody know where they're based? Atlanta, Georgia. And so uh, being that Coca-Cola is based in Atlanta, Georgia, they put together a nice calendar. It's red and black and white, which if you're a college football fan should remind you of the University of Georgia Bulldogs. And so Coca-Cola was nice enough to distribute this to, I think, all of the York District schools. And somebody gave it to me because they, they gave it to all the school kids and all the teachers. And uh, evidently they uh, don't know how to spell February in Georgia. And so... Um, <laughs> From what I hear, from what I hear, the president of the Board of Education for the state of Georgia proofed this. And so um, as, the first, <laughs> as the first annual Hook It on Pahonics Award, we wanted to give this to uh, Mr. Reed Hopkins. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> See, y'all say we just pick on Larry. That's not true. That's not true. Listen, somebody, somebody didn't listen, either at Coca-Cola or somewhere in Atlanta. And uh, that's part of what we're talking about here today. Here's a question for you, okay? <clears throat> and I've, I've, I've done hours worth of research related to this. So I think even though I pulled it off the internet, I think that everything I'm about to tell you is true, but I do have to issue that caveat. How much do you think you are advertised to every day? Think about that for a second. Okay, because when you walk down the grocery, the canned food aisle uh, at the supermarket, every label is an advertisement, is it not? When you see, you know, Ford, Fiat, um, Saab, Honda, Hyundai, Toyota, as you are sitting at the red light, every single one of those is a advertisement. It's a logo that you recognize. Um, listen, you drive down Cherry Road with all of the political signs that are up. I'm like, wow, we would erase our national debt if we just stopped printing all these yard signs that are out there. But they say that <clears throat> one, one extreme report that the media uh, report, has reported on for 20 years has said media exposure to advertisement is as high as 20,000 unique advertisements every day. That's incredible. I, I, I can't go there. Um, it's safe to say that you're exposed to over 3,000 different advertisements every single day. Every clothes tag, every mailbox ad that goes immediately into your trash can, every commercial, every bumper sticker, every logo, every Facebook ad, every product placement. Putting that bottle of Coke right there uh, where everyone can see it. So there's a ton that you see that you never pay attention to. Because they say that you really only kind of catch the attention for about 150 to 350 advertisements today, and there's only definite awareness of 15 to 85. If we said, how many advertisements did you see today? You'd say somewhere between 15 and 85, though you may have seen thousands beyond that. And here's the issue. All of this advertising that happens to us does something to us. We are trained to not notice what is all around us. Have you noticed that? I mean, you sit there and you go, okay, every... Every article of clothing that I put on has a logo, has a tag. That's an advertisement. You know, um, the bottom of the glass that you use to drink out of has something etched on the bottom of it that says, you know, who is the one that produced this? I mean, everything that we have has a tagline or a logo or some kind of 
advertising thing to it. And we are just so numb because of all the advertising that is around us that we don't pay attention. It's made us dull. And here's the issue. This doesn't just happen in our practical everyday life. There are all kinds of things happening around us in our spiritual life, and in the very same way, we've become dull to it. We don't hear it. We don't pay attention. We've been trained to be dull, to tune it out. And the truth is, hearing is a wonderful gift. The problem is, if you're like me, you don't appreciate what you have until you've lost it. And so here's a video that's gone viral. You have probably seen it before. But it's just a very brief reminder of what a blessing the gift of hearing is. <laughs> it's like so close. Technically, your device is on. Can you tell? Oh, that's exciting. Here, you can put it down for a second. Just get used to the sound. What does it sound like? Oh, you're a subscribe. Can you hear me? Can you hear your voice? Does your voice sound pretty loud? Um, no, not really. What's going on? <laughs> My laughter sounds loud. Yeah, you'll get used to all of that over time. <laughs> Do you want to hear your husband say something? <laughs> What a sweet video. The husband had a chance to say something sweet, and he just goes, oh. <laughs> Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, listen, to be 26 or 29, I forget how old she was, and to hear her voice for the first time. You don't realize the gift that you have until it's gone. And so here's the thing. This is not the politically correct way. I don't know what it is, hearing challenge or, or what the situation is. You may not be deaf, in the same way that this woman in this video was, not in its practical effects, but when it comes to your spiritual ears, when's the last time you heard God's voice? And here's my concern, that just in the same way that we have tuned out all the advertisements around us, listen, if God speaks the way that he did to the prophet with a still small voice, are you even going to hear it? Is it going to cut through all the chatter that is a part of your life, maybe perhaps even by your own invitation, that you can even know when he speaks? And here's our point this morning, that no matter how much noise there is around us, God expects us to listen when he speaks. Now, there's a challenge here for this, this, uh, this service, because most of you who are sitting in here have no clue who E.F. Hutton is. E.F. Hutton was a financial advisor, and I remember the commercials. E.F. Hutton was just so wise that the tagline became, anybody know it? When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. So if he says buy, you buy. If he says sell, you sell. Because if E.F. Hutton says it, you listen. 
And in the same way, God expects his people to listen. Repeatedly in the New Testament, when Jesus preaches, he makes this call uh, in, in a variety of ways. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And there's a part of me that goes, was there some kind of massive birth defect in the first century that there were just tons of people who were born without ears? What exactly is Jesus? Where are all these earless sermon listeners that Jesus is preaching to? And he's saying, hey, those of you that have ears, listen. Who has ears? Everybody. But not everybody hears. Not everybody listens. And the truth is that the Bible says that God commands his people to listen. He commands him to listen. Deuteronomy 6.4, we'll start here and we'll come back to this passage. But this is the passage known as the Shema that begins with uh, Shema Ya Israel. Hear Israel. Listen Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And as we'll see, everything flows down from this mountain peak. If God is our God and he is the one that we worship, then listening to him will affect everything. This verse is not so much about monotheism as much as it is about that word O-U-R. He is our God. And that's why we listen to him. <clears throat> Some other passages in John eight we're told that God's people listen to him because we can hear. We can hear. John eight forty seven says this, He who is of God hears the words of God. And for this reason, Pharisees, you do not hear them because you are not of God. Wow. Think about that. God is saying there are things that he is speaking that people can't hear because they're not of God. But the reverse implication of that is if you are of God, then you have the ability to hear the words of God. John 10, 27, Jesus says this in a a different way. He says, my sheep, They hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I don't know if you know much about the science, of uh, much about auditory science, but there's a diagram that you'll see on the screen here behind you. Your ear is really made up of three parts, and I'm not going to get real deep into the science here behind behind this, so don't be amazed. Uh, It's just what you can find out from Wikipedia. And so um, here's the deal. This... uh, this little piece of cartilage you got right here that your grandma or grandpa knew how to get you to do just about anything if they grabbed a hold of, this little thing here works as a funnel, okay? And so it catches sound waves that travel through the air, and it channels them through that funnel into your ear canal. And uh, what happens once it gets into your ear canal, just a little bit, just a couple centimeters in, if you've ever stuck a Q-tip just a little too far, you've, you've, beat, you've beat your eardrum before. You don't ever want to do that again if you've done it once. Just a couple centimeters in, you've got this uh, piece of, um, I don't even know what it is, piece of tissue called your eardrum. And then that moves from your outer ear to your middle ear. And in your middle ear, it's really fascinating to think about this. God has so designed the human ear that there are three, of the, they're the three smallest bones in your body. It's the hammer, the anvil, and the stirrup. And they're called the ossicles because they oscillate, they vibrate, they take the sound that you are hearing right now that's being amplified through our sound system, and it comes th- into your ear canal, travels without you consciously having to think about this, hits that eardrum, the eardrum begins to boom, 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 begins to vibrate. Those three bones take the, the vibration from the um, eardrum, transfer them into 
this little snail-looking thing that's right there that they call the inner ear. That snail-looking thing is called your cochlea, and your cochlea is filled with fluid. So if you've ever had a balance issue, you've ever gotten dizzy, or you kind of felt like there's water in your ear, well, there is. There's fluid, and it's in your cochlea. And the cochlea really controls your balance, but that's a side benefit because it actually is one of the mechanisms to help you to hear. So eardrum, uh, the ossicles oscillating transfer sound waves into, through vi- in vib- vibratory form uh, into the cochlea where the water begins to vibrate and then it begins to circulate through the cochlea. Inside the cochlea are these very minute hair cells. And listen, I don't understand how this works, but those hair cells take the vibration, transfer um, those, those sound waves into a digital system that travels down your auditory nerve to your brain and your brain takes all that and translates it into sound. And so you can understand every word that is coming out of my mouth. And someone in the Ukraine that is hearing a sermon preached in Ukrainian can understand in their own language. I mean, language is an amazing thing too, when you think about it. The ability to communicate. And this is how hearing happens. Amazing when you stop to think about that. And when Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, my sheep hear my voice, this is not what he's talking about. He's not simply talking about physical hearing. He's not talking about auditory prowess. Man, he listens really good. He's a great, he has a gold medal listener. Now in Hebrew, when, when the word hear is used, it is not listening simply in the physical realm but it is joined with the idea of obedience. It is spiritual comprehension. It is being attuned to God's voice. It is being sensitive to what the Spirit says, listening with the intention of understanding and doing what He says. And this leads to our second point. That no matter how busy or how distracted you might be, as Christians, what we hear, we obey. That goes without saying. That is a cardinal rule. Christians obey the word of God. Or at least they're supposed to. And friends, this is huge. Because to not obey in biblical language is not to listen. And the group of people in the Bible who do not listen are non-believers. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. How do we know that they hear the shepherd's voice? By their action. They do something. They obey. And so for a Christian to not obey means that he does not listen. And to be someone who does not listen means that you're not of his fold. It's a serious business. Listen to these verses, Psalm 81.11. God says, my people did not listen to my voice. Israel did not obey me. How does God know that they didn't listen? By their obedience or lack thereof. Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 15, 22. This is the passage where God has granted Saul uh, as king of Israel a great military victory, except God had given Saul specific instructions that whatever um, plunder they get, they were to utterly destroy. Well, Saul heard that 
And he decided that despite what God said, he had a better idea. He was going to have a revival. He was going to have a big worship service. And they're going to sacrifice all of these animals in this great big worship service to thank God for his deliverance. The only problem is that was disobedience. God said, utterly destroy it. And so Samuel comes and says, Saul, what in the world are you doing? You think that this is right in your own eyes? And he says this, Has the, uh, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as he does in obeying the Lord? So I understand you think this is a good idea. But even your good idea is disobedience because God said destroy it. He says, look, to obey is better than what you're planning to do in this worship service. To obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Deuteronomy 31.12 says, Assemble the people, the men, the women, the children, and the foreigners living within your gates, so that they may listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to follow all the words of this law. It's not enough to hear. We have to obey. And the truth is, for most of us, the majority of what we hear comes in one ear and promptly goes out the other without even rearranging the furniture that's in between our two ear canals. It's not good. The predicament that we're in really ultimately goes back to Adam and Eve when they decided that they knew better than to listen to the voice of God. And they disobeyed. They heard, but they didn't listen, and they did their own thing. And that whole idea of hearing is what makes the story of the heroes of our faith so amazing. Think about this. God told Abraham to leave his people, to leave his country, and to travel cross-country internationally thousands of years ago. And he said, okay, let me pack my bags. Where are we going? And God says, I'll tell you when we get there. You just go. God tells him later, Hey, Jason, take your son, your only son, the one whom you love, Isaac, the son through whom all of the promises that I have promised you is being fulfilled. And take him to the mountain that I will show you and sacrifice him. And Abraham says, I don't understand, but I will obey. Now, Abraham's not perfect. He's a hero of the faith. But God provides for him in every circumstance. And then when he goes to Egypt, uh, the Pharaoh kind of has a thing for his wife, and he's like, "Uh uh-oh, if he finds out that I'm married to her, he's going to kill me and steal my wife. So he lies and says that his wife is his sister. And then Pharaoh finds out, and he's like, what in the world are you doing? I would never have done this. And Abraham lies. And so we're reminded that even though Abraham is an example to us in many ways of obedience, that Jesus is the only one who hears, listens, and obeys perfectly. That's why we need a Savior. Because we're all here because we need to hear what we need to do to live for God effectively. <clears throat> Let's go back to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And there's a, a diagram that you will see in your bulletin. But listen to, listen to these words from Deuteronomy 6. You've heard verse 4. He says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's our God. And then he goes on. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them on a, as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. 
Here's the point. We've all heard this verse before. And listen, that is one of the challenges of, of church life. Is some of you have read, read the Bible cover to cover, and when you come to church, you are not going to hear anything new. And if you do, um, the deacons should meet and demand my resignation if there's anything that you hear that is new that is not between the table of contents and the maps, okay? We're limited to what we can talk about. And I think sometimes because we have heard it all before, we're tempted to just let it pass through our ears without doing anything. Here's what Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, that hearing God will influence every other action that you do. He says, we listen to God because he is our God. And we listen to him every day. And he gives this order. Once we're in a relationship, once the God is our God, we listen to him because he is our God. But then it goes on and it says that our listening shows up in our actions. And so our obedience is proof of our love. If we say that we love God, but we don't obey him. And so he says, listen, Israel, God is one. He's our God. And because he's our God, we should love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so our love for him is obedience-based, improves our relationship with him. But then it goes on to the third circle. When we listen to God and we love God, that leads us to lovingly lead other people to learn how to hear his voice too. You pass it on to the next generation. And everything you do, whether you lie down or whether you get up, whether you go to the store or whether you go to your house, everything you do is about listening to the word of God, hearing God's voice. And I love this because Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, is about this idea of building strong families. And it's based upon a foundation of God's word. If you are not going to listen to God's word, you're not going to build a family that's strong according to what the scriptures say. That's why just a few weeks ago we talked about, have you checked in with God? Have you spent time in His Word? Have you spent time in prayer? Because if you will not listen to the Word, how in the world will you obey the Word? In ignorance is no excuse. God has said what He requires of us, and it's important for us to obey. <clears throat> First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6 says this, by this, or this is how we are sure, this is how we are certain, this is how we are, are assured that we have come to know him by keeping his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him without keeping his commands, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is perfected. And this is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he Beautifully simple. And yet, isn't obedience kind of where the rubber hits the road? There's a story told of a preacher who had uh, preached his heart out on evangelism. And he knew that he was preaching to deaf ears. And so in between services, maybe kind of sort of like we do, he's in the foyer. And a guest comes in and wants to inquire on whether his church has a deaf ministry. To which he turns and points to his entire congregation and says, yes, we do. cuts a little bit, doesn't it? Because we prove our love not by, you know, Facebook posts. We prove our love not by perfect attendance. We prove our love by obedience. And if obedience is not a part of our habitual, everyday relationship with God, then it's not the relationship with God that He wants for us. And friends, here is the challenge, okay? 
it is really easy to substitute busyness for effectiveness. Um, there are people within our church that are in um, multiple, multiple Bible studies a week. And so I'll ask this. No, nobody was brave enough. It's like, this was like a badge of shame to say this. How many of you are, are in more than three separate times a week where you hear the Bible? See, none of y'all. How many of you are in Sunday school this morning? Okay, how many of you are in a, a sermon right now? Any of you in a small group where the Word of God's going to be involved? Okay, here's my point. Here's my point. And then some of you come on Wednesday night. Some of you have other groups to get involved in. If the price of admission for you to get in your next Bible study was remembering what you heard in your last one, how many of you would even be allowed in the door? We substitute busyness for effectiveness, and we go to all these Bible studies, but we don't learn a cotton-picking thing. And listen, there's nothing wrong with Bible study if it's effective. But if the measure of effectiveness is obedience and all you're doing is getting better at Bible trivial pursuit, then your Bible study is condemning you and not helping you to look more like Jesus. As a matter of fact, you could be in Bible study every morning and every afternoon of every day and you're being disobedient because what you're not doing is meeting non-Christians. You're not letting your light shine in the community because you want to run to where it's safe and you don't have to obey. You just have to sit in a circle and listen. And if you smile every once in a while at the teacher, well, then you're an A-plus Christian. And God is challenging us to say, listening doesn't just mean enduring. It means obeying. So which are you doing? Are you actively listening to God? You know what active listening is? It's like when you ask your kid, did you hear me after you just gave them instructions? <laughs> it is, um, wife, after you've just poured out your heart to your husband and say, what do you think? And he goes, huh? That's not active listening. That is broken ribs. <laughs> Are you actively listening? And here's the question. Are you joyfully obeying? There is no definition that is biblical of discipleship that doesn't include this. To be a disciple, to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is someone who listens attentively and obeys joyfully. How about you? Prayer with me, please. <clears throat> God, we thank you for the gift of hearing and even as we think <clears throat> just about the opportunity to hear, uh, for those of us that are parents, our sweet children's voices telling us how much they love us on this day and wishing us in their uh, little childish lisp a happy Valentine's Day. God, we're thankful for the gift of hearing. We're thankful to hear from our spouse of their committed love as they uh, perhaps have sacrificially purchased a gift as a symbol of their great love for us. God, we're thankful that we can hear these things. God, we're even more thankful that you give us the ability, by virtue of being your sons and your daughters, of hearing your voice. God, help us not to be like the girl in the video who has lived for decades without hearing. God, what a tragedy for people who do not have any kind of physical deformity to be so spiritually messed up that we don't hear. 
We look fine because we're busy and we do the right things on the outside, but on the inside, we're not listening and obeying. And God, as we have the opportunity to celebrate your kingship over us as we take the meal that you have commanded us to take, God, we need to listen to your voice. I pray that as we sing this song and prepare our hearts to receive this food, that you will help us come to your altar and to admit our need and to come to you for your supply. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.